0: Okay, so we're starting a brand new series together today called Toxic. And I know some of you have been going, alright, oh, right, alright. Right. Where are we going with that? What, what, what direction is this thing gonna head? And what we're really gonna do for the next couple of weeks together is unpack this issue of forgiveness. Uh, what does it mean? What did Jesus actually accomplish at the cross? And what does that mean if I actually lived in it? What if it was fully applied to us? And look, look, here, here's why I think this is a huge topic. Every one of us in this room, we've done stuff. We've had ill-lived moments in the past, and things that that man. We just we we look back and go, God, if I could if I could live that over again, if I could do that, I would I would do it so differently. And I've got so much guilt in my life over that ill-lived moment, and I just man, I wake up and something will trigger it, and something reminds me, and it just breaks my heart every time I get it. And the problem is. If you and I live our lives in the guilt of the past, you get that stuff will get internalized and it will fester and you and I will go toxic. Some of us, some of us have stuff that was done to us. And boy, you just bring up that person's name and we just tighten up. And worse than that, if you hear that they're being blessed or you hear that their life is going okay and you're like, how in the world can God be letting that happen? I mean, as horrible as they were and as badly as they mistreated me and as unfair as they were in my life, how can their life be doing better than my life? And you're my hearts get hard and twisted up over that. And we get toxic. And we we would we we have no idea what it would mean to even extend grace or forgiveness to that person who hurt us. And guys, look look. look. If you're not careful, you'll go. Well, who cares? I, I mean, I, I've I've earned my frustration. I've earned my anger firsthand. I mean, okay, so maybe I am a little toxic. Maybe I am the swamp monster from the deep. But you get that when you go toxic. The people around you will have to live with your toxic. And and the people you most love, the people you most care about, the relationships that are most valuable to you, will be affected by being toxic. And so we're just going to take the next few weeks and just say, what would it look like to step into the fullness of what Jesus did for us? To fully experience and extend forgiveness in this world. And what would that be like? And today we're just going to start unpacking uh, this thing that says, what does it feel like to fully embrace the forgiveness that Jesus gave to me? You know, It's remarkable to me how many Christians there are who would say to you, no, 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 look, I know I'm a Christian. I know, I know. I know that I'm forgiven and, and that what Jesus did on the cross paid for my sins. And yet in the midst of that, they walk around carrying bricks of guilt. This, this huge load in their life that says, I, I know I'm forgiven, I just can't get over the harm that I've caused. I mean, the wounds that I inflicted. So some of us would say, hey, I mean, if you knew, if you knew how many people I've wounded in my dating life, how many, how many just absolutely sabotaged lives, you'd understand the guilt that I'm feeling right now. Some of us would say, man, if, if you had been in my house the last time I lost my temper, if you'd heard what I said to my kids in that moment, because here's the deal, I guarantee you, my son is going to remember for the rest of his life the words I spoke to him. And I just don't know how to get past the guilt of that. It's remarkable. How many Christians live their lives carrying around a huge, overweight burden of guilt? And here's what I'm wondering. Is that what Jesus intended when he was dying on the cross? That you and I would be forgiven for our sins, but we'd spend the rest of our lives feeling guilty over our sins? I mean, was that, was that the plan? Is that how Christians ought to be? So here's what we're going to do a little bit today. We're going to do a little bit of a theology study. We're going to just kind of go through scripture because as you and I understand biblically what Jesus accomplished for you and me on the cross, it's going to all of a sudden grant us freedom to apply that to our lives and to step into a whole new place of forgiveness and release in our lives. So do me this, grab your Bibles real quick. We're going to unpack this together. And I just want to encourage you, man, always, always bring your Bibles. I don't care if you do it on a smartphone. I don't care if you carry you a know, big family Bible and beat Mormons on the head. I don't care. <laughs> bring your Bibles. Because here, here, here's the deal. You're going to want to know at the end of the day that what we're saying together is true. That it's not just Lynn's opinion. That it's God's word. So here we go. It's, uh, it's 1 John. And if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and then work to the left, you're going to find... This book of 1st John, it's a tiny, tiny little book. At the very, very back of your Bible, it's just barely a little ways in from the book of Revelation. It's First John, chapter 1, and it deals with this topic of forgiveness for you and me. First John, chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Here's what it says. You ready? If we, if we confess our sins, He, talking about God, is faithful and just... And will forgive us our sins and purify us from, next word, all, all unrighteousness. And here's what I'm thinking, guys, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when God said, I will purify you from all unrighteousness, that he probably was thinking all, which means, guys, get this, get this, get this, because it's a big deal. This means that in the moment you and I got to the cross, in that moment, you know, we were pre-Jesus and we were just trying to figure out God and we were just trying to understand this thing and somewhere the sermon made sense, somewhere something the pastor said or a friend said to us and we said, I get it, I get it. I've, I've got stuff in my life that I need God's forgiveness for and we got to the cross and we said, I need you to forgive me. And I need you to be my savior. In that moment that we became a Christian. That every one of our sins. You ready? All of our sins in that moment were placed on the cross of Jesus. Which includes all of my past sins. All of the present sins. So everything I did on Saturday night before I got to church that Sunday. Uh, everything I said to the kids on the car on the way to church that Sunday. All of my present sins got nailed to that cross. But you want to hear something really, really cool? All the sins that I still hadn't committed yet. All my sins were placed on the cross. The day I became a Christian. That's a big deal. Let's look at another passage. It's Psalms. Psalms chapter 103. So take your you're going to go right to the middle of your Bible and open it up. You're probably going to come to the book of Psalms. If you open up to the book of Jobs, it's not what you're thinking. That's actually a book about somebody who needed a job. So, Psalms will be right in the middle of your Bible. It's Psalms 103. It's verse 12. Now watch this. Psalms 103, verse 12. As far, as far as the east is from the west, so far, that's how far, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. Now guys, this is totally cool. The cool part is God didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Here's why. There's a north pole and there's a south pole. And if God had said, I removed your sins as far as the north is from the south, Some joker would have got up there and said, well, then Jesus only removed your sin 12,430 miles away from you. But because he said east from the west, you get what God was trying to communicate. If you can figure out how far east is from west, then maybe, just maybe, you could find your sin again once I forgive. You want to hear something really cool? The guy who wrote that passage needed forgiveness. He's a guy by the name of King David who had messed with another man's wife and then had the man killed in order to cover it up. And in the midst of his guilt, he prayed and asked for forgiveness and said, God, thank you. Thank you for being the type of God who takes my sins as far as the East is. From the West. Guys, that's just powerful. Powerful stuff. Which simply means this that in the moment you and I become Christians, all of our past, all of our present, all of our future sin was placed on the cross with Jesus, and there is no reason for guilt. I know some of you are saying something and go, whoa, 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 Lynn, that's pretty cool. I, I like that a lot. But wait, 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 wait. If all of my sins are forgiven, if all of my sins were placed on the cross with Jesus, well then, um, hey, uh, why do Christians still confess? I mean, why, why do Christians ever, you know, say, Hey God, I know I blew it last night or, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Why, why do Christians do that if all of their sins have been forgiven? You know, and, 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 and some would say, well, you know, it seems like I can understand that Jesus, maybe when I became a Christian, forgave my past and I get that he forgave my present. But it just feels like that maybe I should still have to get saved from my future sins or, or at least cleansed again from my future sins. And guys, look, 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 you are so glad that that's not true. Because if when you became a Christian, Jesus only forgave your past sins and your present sins, do you realize you'd have to get saved again every day? Think about this. this. How many sins does it take to keep somebody out of heaven? One. One. Because, guys, 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 God is holy, and he cannot have sin in his presence. Not even one. That's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross, to take care of your sins. He can't even have one in his presence. So that means if you actually could sin and have that sin added to you after you became a Christian, you'd lose your salvation every day. Guys, you'd be standing there, some good-looking woman would be walking by in Daisy Dukes and you'd be going, Dear Jesus, come in my heart again. <laughs> right? Right? You'd be driving down the road, and some guy would cut you off, and you'd have to bow your head on the freeway. Dear Jesus, come in my heart again. Ladies, you'd be sitting with your friends, and they're... And you'd catch yourself... And then you go, dear Jesus, come in my heart. You'd get saved seven times every day. If the sins you do after you come to Jesus still counted against you, in other words, they weren't covered in the first place... What would happen if you forgot to confess one? I mean, what would happen if, if you know, you, you went your whole life, you confessed every single sin, but you just forgot one? It's that moment when your wife said, how do I look? You'd, you'd get up to heaven, St. Peter would be standing there, You would say, Hey, yeah, I'm ready to come in. He says, no. You he told her she looked good. And guy's like, uh, uh, uh. I'm just telling you, you're thrilled. You're thrilled that when that moment came and you came to Jesus, that all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future sins were nailed to the cross. Maybe this helps. Maybe this helps a little bit. When Jesus was dying on the cross, what happened to Adam and Eve's sins? So this is the tree of the garden of Eden, okay? This is where the apple came from. So here's Adam and Eve. When Jesus is dying on the cross, how many of Adam and Eve's sins was he dying for? All of them. How did he know all of them? Because he's omniscient. Big Bible term for he knows everything. And so 2,000 years later, hanging on the cross, Jesus, looking back to Adam and Eve, died for All their sins, even the one they didn't think he saw when they snuck behind the tree. All of them. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked 2,000 years into the future and saw you. And because he's omniscient, how many of your sins did he see? All of them. And so when he hung on that cross, guess how many of them he took to the cross with him? All of them. See, you and I get all freaked out because you go, well, when I was 17, I became a Christian, and that was when I... No, 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 no. When he hung on the cross, he saw your whole life. He saw the sins you still hadn't even committed yet. Because when he's on the cross, all your sins were in the future. And he took them all and placed them on the cross. And guys, I'm just telling you, that is good news for you and me. Now I know I know I know I know you're thinking, you're going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If they're, if they're all on the cross, if they're all taken care of, then why are we confessing them? I mean, I don't get it. How come? How come when I do something I shouldn't do as a Christian? How come? How come I'm supposed to go back and say, Hey, God, you know, I know that was wrong, and I I know I'm sorry. Because there's a difference between a debt. And a relationship. When Jesus hung on the cross, He paid your debt. He paid the bill for your sins. But you can still screw up a relationship. Okay, let me see if I can help. Okay, I'm just going to say this. When I was a kid, Ken didn't wear skinny jeans. I, he was a man when I was a kid, but I, I I'm just saying. All right. All right. So anyway, so he, husband, someone was applauding that. You're going, yeah, 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 When I played with Barbie and Ken, we were men. All right. All right. So good for you, man. I'm, I'm with you. All right. So married couple, married couple. He comes home frosted one night, says some stuff he shouldn't say. In that moment, what does she do? Emotionally. Relationally. Cries. No. You ready? She moves. She moves, doesn't she? She pulls her heart back just a little bit. The relationship becomes a little more distant. She's going to keep room. Then she, because she's hurt, responds. Wah, 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 wah. And guys, I'm just going to say this out loud. Look, you just might as well concede it right now. She is so much better than you verbally. <laughs> she's going to win. I'm just telling you. She she knows exactly what word to say to like, just cut to your heart. You're lobbing bombs. She's lobbing arrows. <laughs> And what does he do in that moment? Distance, right? And that goes back and forth. And And you can screw up a relationship. Still married? Still married. But really messed up. That's exactly what happens with God. See, you, you, you and I have moments with God. And we say things, do things, behave in ways that we shouldn't behave. Still a Christian. Just messing up the relationship. So this is God. Don't laugh. What would you have used for God? Alright. So this is God. This is you. And uh, all of a sudden you're sitting in church and you hear and it says, Hey, you know, this is really how you ought to behave. This is how you ought to live. And you go, that's so stupid. Dude, if I was God, I, I wouldn't do that. No, that, that's just so dumb. Hey, what do you you think that moment of disobedience does to the relationship with you and God? Distance. Distance. And then you're sitting there a couple weeks later and the pastor's saying, hey, you ought to serve or you ought to tithe. Or I am going to do that. Distance. And guys, here's what's so dangerous. See, there was a moment in your relationship with God that if God whispered, you could hear him. But now, because you've spent time going, hey God, no, and I'm not, and I... You created... You ever heard the old saying, if God seems far away, guess who moved? And you've created distance in the relationship. You ever wonder how a Christian becomes an atheist? There is no Christian who became an atheist because they did a deep study in philosophy. You know how Christians become atheists? No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I don't like that part of the Bible. I don't think I will. And now the only way you hear God is when he yells. Because you're so far out of his will and so far removed in the relationship. And you keep that up, you'll create enough distance between you and God, you can't hear him anymore. And one day you'll wake up and say, I don't think God exists has nothing to do with the reality of God. It has everything to do with the distance of God. So why do Christians confess? The same reason husbands and wives confess. The same reason you say, honey, I'm sorry, man. I, I know I said some things I shouldn't have said. I know I know I lost my temper. Man, I'm sorry. Would you, would you forgive me? And what you're saying in that moment is, hey, could, could we reengage? Could we move the relationship back together again? And that's exactly what you're doing relationally with God. It's not whether you're a Christian or not. It's not whether your sins were forgiven or not. It's you saying, God, I get it. I've created a distance in our relationship. And I want to get back here where I hear when you whisper my name. I want that relationship again. I think it's okay to regret. I do. I I think regret is actually healthy. Regret is a moment when I look back at my past and I go, wow, that was an ill-lived moment. If I had a chance, I wouldn't live it that way again. Matter of fact, based on the fact that I regret how I behaved, I regret how I treated that person, I regret the way I wounded, I'm going to do something different next time. Matter of fact, you run into somebody who doesn't regret anything in their lives, run away, run away, run away. Because what you're hearing in that moment is you know what? I've never self examined, I've never admitted that I ever made a mistake, and I've done nothing ever to improve myself. Because I'm perfect and everybody else isn't. I would tell you that I've got regret in how I dated. I I can name for you young ladies that that dated me and they were further from God after dating me than they were when they started. And I just said, you know, I regret that. And I made a covenant in my heart that simply said, never again. And I purposed that said, every person who comes in contact with Lynn Winters is going to be closer to Jesus for having met me, not further away. So I'm just saying, guys, regret's okay. The problem is guilt. See, regret says, that's what I used to do. Guilt says, this is who I still am. You realize guilt will paralyze you. Guilt left unattended in your life will turn absolutely toxic in your life. Here's what guilt does. Guilt is a young lady who sees a remarkable young man walk into the room and says, there's no way I could date him. After all the stuff I've already done, he wouldn't want me. And you get that that's a lie. And that's the enemy. And that is completely, completely snubbing what Jesus did on the cross for you, young lady. Guilt is parents whose kids start going a little sideways on them and they go, well, I mean, how how would I say anything? I mean, I can't say anything about the parties they're going to or the things they're drinking or smoking or, or the friends. they're. I mean, I did all of that when I was their age. If I tried to say anything to them, I would be like a hypocrite. And you realize if you live in the toxicness of that guilt and never step up and actually parent your kid. It's a guy who says, hey, do not going to do me any good to get my education. Because here's the deal. As soon as I put in my resume, there's going to be other guys or other gals who have just as much education, just as much experience. But then I've got my past. I'll never get the job. I guess I'm just going to be a ditch digger the rest of my life. You realize that's guilt. And that's toxic. Toxic. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering how long you and I as children of God are going to keep carrying this around on our backs when Jesus paid for this. And how powerful would it be for you and I to simply today go back to the cross and to say to Jesus, look, when I was here last time, I apparently left carrying something that I had no business taking with me. And so I'm just coming back. I'm asking for my dating relationships, and I'm asking for what I did when I was running a little bit wild in my life, and I'm asking for what I did on the internet last weekend. I'm just asking God, can I just leave all of that at the cross along with the guilt? Can I just tell you how much better that is? And some of us walked in this room way, way, way too heavy today. And you need to go back to the cross and leave your guilt this time. Let's pray. Yeah, I'm just going to ask us to take a couple moments and do a little bit of business. And I'm just going to ask Christians who would say, Lynn, look, I get it. Regret, regret is about saying, I wish I hadn't, but I'm not going to Again. It's a life lesson. But guilt, (laughs) guilt is about believing I'm still that person. That that what I've done in the past somehow defines me today. And Jesus paid for that. And I should have left that at the cross the first time. And some of us just need to go take a few moments and go back and say to Jesus, look, I've been carrying this bag of guilt for way 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 too long can i just leave it at the cross this time there's some of us in this room and you know you're a christian and truth is you're not struggling with guilt but man you've been ornery <laughs> and you've been self-willed and you've been to, and you know You know that you've created a distance between you and Jesus. You no longer hear the whispers. Truth is, he has to shout at the top of his lungs to even get your attention right now. That's how far away you are. You need to restore that relationship. It may have taken you three years to mess it up, it takes you three seconds. Three words. I was wrong. I am sorry to restore and you could walk out of this room hearing the voice of God today some of us need to take a moment and do some repair work dear Lord Jesus we just we simply come to the moment and God we cannot even begin to say to you how thankful we are for a cross. For a cross that not only removed the price of our sin, but removed the guilt of our sin. And God, we just, man, I, I my prayer is, is that hundreds of people would find freedom today. That they would they would bring the junk that they've been lagging around all of this time and just take it to the foot of the cross and say, God, look, please, would you remove the guilt of this from my heart and my life? Would you grant me a freedom to be able to openly say, yeah, I did. And I was, and that is my past. It's not who I am today because of Jesus. And I'm free of that. God, I would pray for Christians who've been casual in their faith and have just said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care if I live at a distance from God. And yet, God, if they're honest today, your voice has grown quiet. They can barely hear you right now. Would you terrify them? with how silent your voice has become. And God, would they run back to you? Say, I want that relationship back. I want that closeness back. I want to hear when you whisper my name. God, help us to step in to forgiveness today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.